All right, well, so what did you learn about last week? The stumps the, and the rice and the, oh, the, the magi. And the magi. What are they? They're magicians. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, huh? That's interesting. Very smart people. And they came from way early on. Did you talk about that? Yes, Daniel. Which was what? Daniel, yep. And he was the master of the magi. Well, at least on an earlier generation. And the Magi were uh, like a, yes, a super smart type thing. Came from... Arabia. (laughs) Yes, and what, well, under, Daniel was under what king when he was putting together? Remember? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, yes. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar. And that's when Daniel was the master of the Magi, or really people who um, looked for wisdom in a lot of different places, uh, and, and that's why they followed ancient texts of all sorts, and they, they tracked Old Testament writings, and that's why they knew them. That's why they found them. So uh, we're going to do something a little different today than the Magi, although we are in that same book, so we're in the book of Matthew. I remember in my teenage years being up and down in my mind, all over the place, sometimes having the greatest time of my life, and other times feeling very insignificant in my life. Asking myself questions like, do people really care about me? Other than my mom and my dad, because they have to, right? <laughs> like that's the law or something. But are there really friends out there? While I was in youth group here, I thought about that a lot. And I remember one specific uh, night, I was here at the church, and I remember being very lonely feeling very insignificant and uncared for at that point. I remember what I was wearing, a jean jacket, because that was what was cool at the time, right? It was a long time ago. (laughs) And I remember sitting alone, being just feeling the most alone that I've ever felt in my life, just feeling like I'm worth nothing. I don't know that anybody would even miss me if I was gone, feeling a very dark feeling. And I don't know if you've ever felt that. Um, I came even that night to a point of contemplating taking my own life at that point. Now, it was a passing feeling. Insignificance is devastating to humans. And here's what I'm here to tell you. We're going to look at someone that really was in an insignificant part in their life. All right? They were at a part where I would say they have felt pretty small. And yet, God did something with them. We're going to look at a character today in the story of Jesus who seems to play kind of a minor role, and yet it's not really minor. 
He possesses something that's very valuable. And this is, this is what's important. He possesses something valuable. Although he is insignificant. All the things are stacked up against him. When we look at him, he's insignificant. All right? So we're going to look at the story. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 1. Verse number 16. This is picking up at the end of a long line of lineage. Okay? Or this is a family tree. And it starts way back when, in the beginning of the chapter, with Abraham. And it goes down through and it captures King David. He's in the lineage. And it captures King Solomon. Okay? The two greatest kings ever to live in uh, and be king over Israel. And yet, by the time we get to where we're going... Uh, something's happened. All the glory is gone. Okay? So let's go to chapter number 1, verse number 16, 17, and 18, please. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ at 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child and holy ghost. Okay, so here it is. We're going to talk about Joseph. Joseph. And I want you to know that there's a little passage in Matthew about Joseph. And that's about it. In the whole Bible. All right? He was getting ready. Now, first of all, let's look. He was from the line of David. I mean, that was what was awesome. He was from the line of David, King David. But that was 28 generations before him. And he was a carpenter. We know that he was probably older when he was going to marry Mary. So one of two things happened. We don't know exactly what. Whether he was a widower or he also could have just been either not very good looking, okay? (laughs) Nobody quite found him attractive enough to go for him or really just dirt poor and not enough money to support a family. So he's, he's, we know that when he goes, he doesn't have any money to stay anywhere, okay? He is really poor. So he's of this king's line, but nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. No one treats him royally. It was 28 generations ago. Who cares? Get over it. So what? You're a carpenter. You, you don't make that much money. All right? You don't make hardly enough to survive. So he finds this girl, Mary, 
whom they think is probably much younger than he is. Okay? Now, we don't know the exact ages of these things, and people have guessed, and they try to put historical things together. Um, just as a guess, they think Mary was somewhere between 15 and 20. Good guess. Young, okay. But uh, in that day, an age to be married, okay. And he was somewhere, in a guess, between 30 and 50 at that point. All right? Now, nobody really knows exactly. But older than she was. Probably struggling just to get along. Probably had just now saved up enough money. They did this. They, they decided they're going to get married. Okay? And he's got to pay for a home and putting together where they're going to live and surviving. And so here he is, and one day he's working along, doing what he says he's supposed to do, and one day Mary comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. It just doesn't add up to him. Well, there's only one way to add up all of that, and there must have been another guy involved. He does not know anything about anybody else. He doesn't know anything from God at this point. And it may have been a while before he learned anything about God being involved in this whole thing. Right? So if you were scheduled to be married by somebody and you know that you have never been with her, there's only one conclusion that you can draw. Somebody else has been with her, and that's why she's pregnant. So she was unfaithful. That's all he can say. So here he is, scraping together, got, got what he thought was going to be good, and really, now he thinks, she's unfaithful to me. And he is struggling with this. He's thinking about this. I'm sure he was angry. And I'm sure he left. Or she left in tears, saying, I didn't do anything. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. We all know how this works, right? So Joseph's thoughts are this. Verse number 19. What is he doing? He's thinking. Wherever we left off. Okay, so the law at the time, if you were unfaithful, was that you, this was just the law, you, you would stone her to death. It's the answer for adultery. They would stone her. And the town all knew, right? Now, I don't know if she told him first day that Gabriel showed up in her house. And I'm sure she had all this story and he's, yeah, an angel showed up and God is going to make me pregnant. Mm -hmm. Sounds very logical. Never happened before. Never happened since. And would you believe it if somebody came up to you and said that? Probably not. 
so here he is, and he is struggling with it because I think he really loves Mary. I think he cares about her a lot. But really, there's nothing very significant about Joseph. Except a couple things. He possesses a couple things. Why is he thinking about this? Who is Joseph? Why is he thinking about this? Isn't the law just that she gets stoned? What makes him think about, thinks twice about taking Mary out with a bunch of stones, okay? I'm sure he's angry. So what makes him think twice? Any thoughts? He possesses something, okay, that makes him contemplate. We said he possesses something very valuable. It makes him contemplate. Why did God choose this insignificant guy, Joseph? Other than he's born 14 generations after, okay, the, the uh, marching away of Israel, which is 14 generations after David, which is 14 generations after Abraham, okay, so he's in the right family line. And he's the right number. Okay. So God knew this man was really not anybody special as far as anybody has ever seen and later we find that Jesus when they're talking about him in a derogatory way they say he's just the son of a carpenter he's nobody who is this guy to make all these claims so nobody thought highly of Joseph Maybe they liked the way he built a table or a chair or something. Okay, maybe. Maybe he wasn't even good at that. We don't know. Maybe he wasn't super skilled at it. Maybe that's why he didn't make a lot of money. But we know this, that he was sitting and thinking, maybe I should do something different than just, in my anger, kill her. Or have her killed. That's justice. That's what's supposed to be. That's what the court of law would say. I'd go, and in a public square, we'd have a court. There she is. There's the evidence. Can't hide it. Okay? And it would be over. But he is struggling with it. And he's thinking about it. And that's one of the things that makes Joseph unique. All right? Is that... His mind will not let him. His conscience will not let him do what everybody else does. He is contemplating and he's deciding to do something different. And it says, what's he going to do with her? He's thinking about doing something. It's old English. What does it say? Verse 19. Put her away privily, okay? Privily is a, an old, old word. You don't use it too much anymore. But it's from what comes the word, uh, from English word private. We get that word from its basis, okay? It means going to take her somewhere 
and put her somewhere where she doesn't have to live in shame. Now, in today's society, it's a whole different ballgame. If a girl gets pregnant, not married, there's not as much shame. Now, even when I was growing up, when you get pregnant as a girl and you're not married, it was looked down on by everybody. All right? And I'm not saying it's gotten to be right. It's just that the world's look at things as twisted around. Okay? But back in Joseph and Mary's day, she was an outcast of society because she did not do what she was supposed to do. And so Joseph would find a place where he could kind of tuck her away and hide her away somewhere. Maybe not marry her, but at least put her out into a place somewhere where people wouldn't sneer at her as she walked by. Because it says he was a just man. He didn't want her to die from it. But that's what society would say to do. That's what the rulers would say to do. Okay? Understand this. So he's thinking about this. And that's why God is intrigued with who he is. Right? Now God knows all about Joseph before he's even born. He knows what type of a man he's going to be. He's not special in any physical way. He is not special in that he's important. He's just kind of a regular guy. There's not even enough to write a whole big story about him. But we find two or three things that he does. And as he's sitting there, he's struggling, he's thinking about it, and what happens? Verse 20 and 21. Please, read it, please. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All right, so that's all the message that he gets from God. When he woke up, first of all, I bet you he was very relieved that he did not act hastily with Mary in his anger. Because he took the time to think about what he was going to do. He took the time to weigh out decisions and pay attention to the consequences. And he was not willing to have that consequence. And I do think that's one of the main reasons God chose him to protect Mary and the baby. All right? That is one thing we know, is that he made this choice. And I bet you when he got up that morning, he probably had to go back and apologize to Mary. And I'm sure he did. It doesn't say that he did. Like I said, it doesn't say much more about him. All right, But now, we're going to go with Mary, but now she's, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to believe me that, yeah, God put that baby inside of Mary. Sure. Mm -hmm. So now, his struggling carpentry practice, people aren't going to use him. Right? 
Because now he's behind this woman. She's lying, and he's behind her. Or so it seems. And so nobody's going to do that because it would be the wrong thing to do to support that kind of behavior. So Joseph and Mary, I think, together finally decide that Mary should go be with her cousin for a while. Just to let the heat die down a little bit. They are living every day in life, and it's not very fun to live in this way. And God sometimes does that in your life. He gives you just enough to see what you're going to react like. And he gave Joseph enough information. She's pregnant, that's it. That's all I'm giving you. Now, how are you going to react to that? And his reaction is, he's confused, he's angry, but he's thinking correctly. He's thinking rightly about this, and he says, I can't do the wrong thing, even if she was unfaithful to me. I can't do the wrong thing. I'm going to do the right thing. So, God says a couple more things to him. Well, God says just that. Jesus is going to be this boy. It's going to save people from their sins. And that's all the message of God. Then there's this little note in verse 22 and 23. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. That's a side note. God did not tell him that in the dream. He had to figure that out on his own. He had to go back and read in Isaiah, or go and hear the message in Isaiah about that. Okay, He was not told that. So a lot of times God just gives us just enough. Just enough. And then he gave him the next piece. Okay, now you go do this. You go take that, that baby and marry. You marry her. And you protect her. Because I'm telling you to do this. And so he's obedient. He goes right out. And does what he's supposed to do. And we find that he is obedient. All right? Insignificant Joseph. And now people are going to say, what a fool this guy is. She cheated on him. Now he's marrying her. You're a fool, Joseph. And I'm sure he has to watch as people glare as he walks by. Say, what a dummy that guy is. People are nasty. They are. Society is mean and nasty a lot of times. And Joseph probably feels about this big. The only thing he can hang on to is that God told him to do it. And probably nobody else believes him. Yeah, I had a dream last night. Really. Mary was... It's God. God's doing this whole big plan through us. Yeah, who are you? (laughs) You're a carpenter. You're nobody. And even when Jesus grew up, they still believed Joseph was nobody. So what makes Joseph unique? What does he possess? Well, let's go to the second chapter, which is the last part. You heard it here, and it picks up where the wise men come from. From King Herod, okay? And they find baby Jesus. Now, it's important to know this is two years later. Roughly two years later. 
when the wise men finally catch up. We know that because Herod kills all the two-year-olds and under. Okay, so we know it was about two years, when probably when baby Jesus was born, to when the magi show up at his door. So he's one and a half, two years old. Jesus. Joseph's just been living his life. Getting up every day, building things, trying to make a living, scraping it together. All right? And all of a sudden, okay, all of a sudden, verse number 13 through 15. Let's read that, please. Okay, so here it is. This is what happens. He is in the house asleep after the Magi show up, and he is still in Bethlehem somewhere, we see. He's probably made himself a spot to be because they go to Bethlehem to find him. Okay, and this is two years later. They've been following this star. Okay. So he is making a living, and in the middle of the night, he's woken up from this dream saying, Get out of here. Herod's going to come and get him. And this likely is just before the soldiers come through, and the soldiers come into each home, whether it's day or night. They come in. Where's your children? How old is he? Obviously, they can tell they're young. And they kill him right there. And they walk away. The soldiers are of Herod kill all these children. And it says there's a great cry. Because there's, it's such a tragedy that happens. But Joseph has listened. And in the middle of the night, and we don't know if he missed it by minutes or hours or days, but he missed it. And he's kept that baby safe. That's it. That's all we know about Joseph. Pretty insignificant, except God chose him for a reason. He had something very valuable, something unique. Character. This is how you define character. This is a quote from a man named Sidney Greenberg. Character is distilled out of our daily confrontation with temptation out of our regular response to the call of duty character is the sum total of all the little decisions the small deeds the daily reaction to the choices that confront us character is not obtained instantly that's what we know about Joseph he had character and how do we know it? Because we watch his decision-making process as he's told, Mary's pregnant. And he's thinking, 
He does not react in anger. He does not fly off the handle and drag her out in front of the streets, which would have been in that day perfectly logical and perfectly legal. He could have done it. But instead he said, that's a little decision today and I'm not going to make it lightly. I'm going to be careful what I do. He makes all of these decisions one after another after another. When he's woken up with a dream in the middle of the night, God said, I have to get this baby out of here. Mary, get up now. We're leaving now. Why not the morning? Isn't it easier to travel in the morning? In fact, it's probably dangerous to travel at night. But he knew that all of those little things added up together, all those little decisions, and we see just a few of them. That's what makes Joseph who he is. Yet, he's insignificant. He's a nobody. Nobody ever wrote more than three or four sentences about him in his whole, in the history of mankind. And I may be less significant than that. People may never know who I am. People may never write three or four sentences in the books of history about me. Probably not. But God looks for those people who may seem insignificant, who may seem to be a nobody, and yet possess something very valuable. They possess that character. That's God's purpose, is to look for those people that possess character. And character is not some magical thing you get, right? It is the sum total of all the small decisions you make. The little deeds, the daily reactions to the choices that confront you. Where do you stand on temptation? Did you fall from that temptation? Yep, I messed it up. Did you get back up again? Because that's the next decision waiting for you. Or are you going to wallow in your own self-pity? That's what makes a person of character. Not the fact of whether they fell and made a mistake or did something wrong, but the fact of whether they got back up and, and kept going. You will all make mistakes. I will make mistakes. I make them regularly. The question is, what are you going to do when you get back up? Are you going to be a person that God wants? And God looks over the human race and says, I'm going to use that one right there. That's the one. Because they make choices, character, integrity. They have those choices. They make those choices regardless of anybody there pushing them. They do it on their own. They do it when they're confronted with a little tiny choice every day. They make the right one. They don't make a bunch of wrong ones. God thought Joseph was significant enough from those few little things that we see. Significant enough to raise baby Jesus. Not because he had station or position or money or anything, but because he had character. That's what God looks for. God does not seek out people of great position or power. He seeks out people that have character. That's what he wants. So we look at Joseph, where he comes from, and yet, God chooses him not because of where he comes from. God chooses him because of who he has become. The sum total of all the little choices.
Will God use, use me? Will God use you? That's the question to ponder and think about this Christmas time. As you think about Joseph, and as he stands in the background with his staff and you know, all your little things, right? And nobody ever is like, who, who, what is he? We don't know much about him. He's just that guy. You know, he's the guy that raised Jesus. All right? They even believe that Joseph died early. And by the time Jesus was crucified, he's not in the picture at all. He doesn't seem to be. He's never written about again. So is he gone? But God chose him for that time in his life and the things that were needed because of his character. And God looks on us for the very same things. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.